0: Thank you, Don, and good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning, and uh, it is a privilege to be here with you. As Don said, my wife and I serve with Word of Life International, and we oversee ministry in the Pacific Rim region, which includes everything from Japan down through New Zealand and then as far west as India. And in our region, we have many different types of ministries, but chief among them, we have two Bible institutes and then three Uh, English as a second language, language schools, along with camps for young people and some ministries in local churches throughout that region. So we do a lot of traveling. In fact, here in a couple of weeks, Dale and I are going to be traveling to Japan and to the Philippines and to Vietnam for ministry with people in our region. And so we would really appreciate your prayers as we travel. My wife, by the way, is seated right down here in front on, on my right. And um, while we're here in the area, because we do maintain a home here in the area, we also seek to reach out to Japanese people that are living in this area in particular. Japan is a very special place to us, and it just so happens that this is the Japanese belt. Did you know that? Running from about Columbus over into Illinois, it's the Japanese belt. Thousands of Japanese people living in the area. And we just so much enjoy reaching out and befriending them and helping them, sometimes with English conversation or other things, but we surely enjoy just the friendship. In fact, we have two of our Japanese friends visiting this morning Shingo and Kimichan, and their little girl, Fumino, and we're so glad that they're here. They have become like family to us. And Fumino is like our honorary Japanese granddaughter. So we're glad that they're, they're here this morning. Yeah. Thank you for coming. So if you'd like to know more about our ministry, we have um, the website that is called gospelstoryarc.org. And that's arc with a, a C and not a, a K. You can go on that website and find out more about some of the content that we deliver in asia and uh, other parts of the world as well and just in case you can't remember that website there's a little card on the back tables that you can pick up that has that website on it and we'd be delighted for you to go on there and to look around and you could even sign up for our newsletter if you like and uh, we surely enjoy having your prayers as we uh, serve the lord throughout asia well um We want to turn our attention now to the scriptures in Daniel chapter 1 and verses 8 through 21. And so if you have a Bible and you can open to that passage, that's great. If not, just follow along as I read these verses out loud. The Bible says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than the magicians, all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity now that we have to open your word and to study your word together and thank you for this particular story from the book of Daniel and what it has to teach us. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds and that you would minister to us and you would help us to understand and to apply what you have for us from this passage. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Daniel resolved not to defile himself with The king's food and with the wine that he drank. I got to tell you, over the last three weeks or so since Jerry first asked if I would share the sermon this morning, I thought a lot about how to title this particular story in Daniel chapter 1. And uh, here's a title that I thought of, we'll put it up on the screen, How to Grow Fat from Eating Your Vegetables. (laughs) And as I thought about that, that didn't make the cut. And so instead of that title, here's what I came up with, Secrets of a Blessed Life. I'm actually going to add to that title a little bit this morning, Secrets of a Blessed Life in a Cursed World, Living a Blessed Life in a Cursed World. I believe that everyone here desires to live a blessed life. We would all love it if the word favor were written across every page of our life, If somehow we could actually experience what Jesus described as life to the full, that would be great. The struggle is, however, we live in a cursed realm. And so we have to contend with pain. And we have to contend with suffering. And we have to contend with death. And with sin. And with unbelief. And with evil. Sometimes even random Evil. Following the vegetable motif, I guess that means there are times where life serves up nothing but plate after plate after plate of Brussels sprouts. I don't mind Brussels sprouts too much. Do any Brussels sprouts fans out there? Yeah, a few. I don't mind it too much, but I got to tell you, I would much rather eat cheesecake. Banana cheesecake with chocolate drizzled on top. Generously drizzled on top. I mean, I could grow accustomed to life always serving up cheesecake. But that's not reality. So what do we do? How do we reconcile our desire to live a blessed life With reality, and are there any secrets to a blessed life while we live in a cursed world? And that's where this story from Daniel chapter one comes in. Now we already know from Jerry's message last week that the king of Babylon conquered the king of Judah, and he overran Jerusalem, Judah's capital, and he took artifacts from Judah's Jerusalem's temple, from the temple that God told them to build. He took those artifacts. And he removed them, he plundered the temple, and he brought them to Babylon and put them in his religious temple. And then he took Daniel and a few other youths from the royal family into captivity. And he stripped them of their identity, changed their names. And he began to teach them the language of the Chaldeans and the literature of the Chaldeans. And by the way, the literature of the Chaldeans was not... Bedtime stories or Grimm's fairy tales. These were things about the religious life of Babylon and how to live life in a cursed world. And he sought to leverage their gifts in support of Babylon's political and religious system. Now I have to tell you that there are some elements of this story in Daniel chapter 1 that are actually intended to remind us of another story from the Old Testament. And I'm talking now about the story of the Tower of Babel back in Genesis chapter 11. For for example, the word Babel and the word Babylon are actually the same word in the original language of the Bible. Did you know that? And if you look back at the story of the Tower of Babel, you'll find that it takes place In the region of Mesopotamia called Shinar. Just like this story takes place in Shinar. And back in the story of the Tower of Babel. Of course there's something there about language getting changed. As there is in this story in Daniel chapter 1. Where they teach Daniel and his friends the language of the Chaldeans. And so there's a lot in this story that is intended to remind us of the story of the Tower of Babel. And it turns out that the people of the Tower of Babel were also concerned about how to live a blessed life in this cursed realm. They knew, in fact, that God had a plan to overcome the curse and to restore blessing to this cursed realm. But God had told them that that plan was going to run through the family line of Shem. And the problem was they were not from the family line of Shem. They were from the family line of Ham, one of Noah's other sons. And so they built the tower, and what the Bible tells us, they built the tower to make a name for themselves. Literally, to make a Shem for themselves. In other words, they were not content to wait on God's plan. In fact, it's probably the first example in the Bible of the fear of missing out. They were afraid they were gonna miss out on the blessing that God had in mind for overcoming the curse in this realm. And so they determined to build a tower to make a shem for themselves. And we know now that they made the top of the tower so that it replicated the zodiac from the heavens because they believed that the heavens were the source of the restoration, the source of the blessing that God was someday going to pour out on this earth. And they thought somehow if we can connect with the heavens through that zodiac on the top of our tower we can call down those blessings of restoration we can call down those blessings upon ourselves without god and without his plan but as you know god stepped in and he judged them and he changed their language and he dispersed them and he spread them throughout the earth and then if you were looking back and Genesis, you would see that the story shifts from there to God actually carrying out his plan through the family line of Shem, extending to Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to Jacob's 12 sons, and eventually to the nation of Israel, and and to Judah. Meanwhile, here in Daniel chapter 1, Babel has reformed. It's reconstituted itself, like some kind of a villain in a video game, only this is very real, and they've defeated Judah, and they've co-opted religious artifacts from Judah's temple and put it in their own temple. From all appearances, just like Jerry said last week, it looks as though God and his plan have been defeated that God in his plan for overcoming the curse, God in his plan for restoring blessing to this cursed realm, is no longer relevant. And this is the backstory of Daniel's decision not to defile himself. Now if we were to study further, it becomes obvious that Daniel didn't really believe that God had been defeated. And in fact, Daniel believed that Babylon's victory over Judah fell well within God's providence. That God had said there were going to be 70 years of captivity for Judah because of their disobedience. And Daniel figured this is it. Now, After the 70 years were complete, that God would restore them and shower them with blessing once more. But here's the thing. Knowing that this period of time would be the 70 years of captivity. And Daniel also knew that he personally would never experience the blessing of the restoration. He personally would never be around to experience all that God was going to pour out upon Judah and Israel again in the future. In the meantime, in the meantime, he had access to the best that Babylon would offer. While he bided his time in a cursed world. He could eat and drink if he chose literally like a king. But now our story. Because verse 8 tells us that Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Or with the wine that he drank. And some people might look at this and, and uh, wonder... Food and wine? Come on, Daniel. I mean, they're trying to strip you of your identity. They're changing your name. They're taking every vestige of God out of your name and the names of your friends. They're they're forcing you to learn their language. They're forcing you to read their literature and to adopt their approach to living life in this cursed realm. Don't you have bigger fish to fry? No pun intended. Don't you have bigger fish to fry? Than just worrying about the king's food and the king's wine. But Daniel was willing to wrestle with the issue of eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine because he was willing to wrestle with the values attaching to all of his choices, attaching to all of life's choices including the mundane. Daniel thought about the values connected to eating the king's food and the values connected to drinking the king's wine. And as he reflected upon God's plan and God's purposes for the captivity, he also recalled what God thought about his people disobeying him and failing to take him into account. And somehow Daniel discerned that eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine put him on that side of the ledger, On the side of disobedience, the side populated by people who had turned away from God's plan. And so he made his choice. And that kind of brings us to the first secret for living a blessed life in a cursed realm. Here it is. And that's to understand. God's plan for living a blessed life in this cursed realm reaches all the way to the mundane. It reaches even to the mundane to the ordinary in our lives. Ordinary things matter because of the value judgments they represent. And those value judgments tend to show whether or not we truly believe in honoring God and His plan in our quest for living the blessed life. I I was talking with Dale about this this week, and she said, make sure you mention 1 Samuel 2.30. 1 Samuel 2.30 says, those, God says in those, that verse, those who honor me, I will honor. And it turns out that honoring God in everyday mundane things becomes a prelude and a practice field when there really are bigger fish to fry and we need to honor our God. So Daniel reflected on whether it was right for him to eat the king's food and drink the king's wine because he knew that all of life's choices reflect values, and values matter to God. You know, 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. I think Daniel would have loved this verse. It's going to come up on the screen. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Daniel embodied this verse. He lived this verse. And so again, the first secret for living A blessed life in a cursed world is to remember that God's plan to remedy all of this reaches even to the mundane. And that kind of brings us now to the the second secret of a blessed life still based on verse 8. If you look again in your Bible, it says that Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. I love that word defile. It's a key word. For Daniel, eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine was not an upgrade. It was defilement. And and that's the way it is. With any alternative to God's plan for living life, living a blessed life in this cursed realm, alternatives to God's plan can never truly enrich us. They can only defile us. And so the second secret to living a blessed life in a cursed realm is this the alternatives of Babylon are always defilement. They are never an upgrade. And Daniel knew this secret. And therefore, he did not count the king's food and the king's wine as an upgrade to the blessed life that God promised. And so he resolved not to indulge himself, but to deny himself and to be content to wait for God's upgrade. And by the way, Jesus had a lot to say about self denial versus self indulgence when it comes to navigating our lives through this cursed realm. For example, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In other words, the secrets of a blessed life is to turn away from the world. And to follow me, Jesus says, even if it means following me to the cross, Jesus would argue following me is the upgrade. Any other course in life is defilement. But now, as the the story continues, what happens next, according to verse 9, is that, or at the end of verse 8, rather, Daniel asked the chief, it says, therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And that reveals a third secret of living a blessed life in a cursed realm. Because Daniel's resolve led to boldness. In fact, not to redneck boldness, but holy boldness. Last Sunday, Jerry did such a good job of describing the tactics that the world uses to conform us to their values. And he explained so clearly how the world targets our youth. But I want to say to any young person, and I know probably most of the young people in this church go to the next service. But if you're young, you're here, you're young. I want to just say to you that it's possible to gain the courage not to conform to the world. It's possible to gain that courage. One of the blessings of traveling throughout Asia is I have the opportunity to encounter young people, teenagers all over the world, who have decided in their hearts to stand up for the Lord. And they do so courageously. I mentioned a few minutes ago that we're going to be going to Vietnam in a few weeks. I wish you could meet Christian young people in that communist land. Standing up for the Lord Jesus, amidst all kinds of opposition there. And I I can tell you this, that when you resolve to follow the Lord, the reward of that resolve is courage, boldness to follow Christ. And Daniel began to experience that boldness. He had a huge target on his back. And the world was pressuring him to conform. It even threatened him with dire consequences for refusing to get on board with the king's food and wine, but he resolved not to defile himself. And the reward of his resolve, this is the secret, the reward of his resolve was boldness. Holy boldness. To go before the chief of the eunuchs and to ask if he could pursue another way so that he could honor God and openly obey him. Verse 9 begins to tell us the rest of the story and I'm going to have to quickly go through this and just tell you that What happens next is that God gave Daniel favor before the chief of the eunuchs. God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. God gave. God gave favor and compassion. So here is a fourth secret of living a blessed life in a cursed realm. You do not have to do it on your own. It's not all up to you. In fact, there are hidden resources that line paths of obedience to God in his plan. And these resources lead to outcomes that have no natural explanation, no natural algorithm. The only explanation for why the chief of the eunuchs favored Daniel and had compassion for him is because God gave it. No other explanation. Daniel needed that favor, he needed the compassion, and God gave it. And by the way, verse 9 in our our text where it says that God gave Daniel favor and compassion is actually one of three times that this story talks about God giving something. The first time is back up in in, uh, verse 3 of chapter 1. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. So God hadn't lost to Nebuchadnezzar after all. What was happening fell within God's providence. He was still in charge. The second time it says God gave is here in verse 9. The third time it says God gave is in verse 17. As for these youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. As the story continues, Daniel proposes the test, and you, you know about that, and they they pass the test in flying colors. But Daniel proposes this test to show that the blessings that come from following God and being on his path are, are very different and vastly superior to anything that you might expect from any of the world's alternatives. And, and that's because there's a reality to following God's path that's hidden to the world. A, a reality full of resources that cannot be explained or replicated by any other religion, or by any other worldview. I think it's the reality that Jesus referred to when he was enduring the stress of temptation after he had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, and the enemy comes along and tempts him to turn stone into bread. Remember that? And his response was, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus was saying, I don't always have to have bread to thrive in life, physical bread. I can thrive in life because of a hidden reality that is mine through being on God's path. The world can never know a reality like this. They can never know it. It's hidden to them. They can never experience those types of resources because they never stop eating their bread, bread of their own making. On paths of their own making, in pursuit of alternatives of their own making, to the plan that God has for navigating life through this cursed realm. In the end, Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah passed the test, as I said, with flying colors. And I love verse 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all visions. In dreams. Verse 15, at the end of ten days it was seen they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Down in verse 20, every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. These statements are full of references to the hidden resources that show up when we're on God's path of living life, navigating through life in a cursed realm. Think about it, you don't get fat from eating plates full of Brussels sprouts. That's a diet plan. That's not the way to get fat. You don't 10x the competition in a biggest gainer's contest. And in every other way, unless you're on a path of God's choosing and you have access to experience the hidden resources of his plan. So let's put the four secrets back up on the screen even the mundane matters in God's plan and the alternatives of Babylon are a defilement not an upgrade and the resolve not to defile ourselves leads to holy boldness and there are hidden resources that line the path of obedience to God I've been calling these secrets but they're not really secrets These are notorious. I mean, when you read through the Bible, these are things that stand out. And because each of them are consistent with the things that Jesus taught us about navigating our way through life in this cursed realm, really all of these call us ultimately to live our lives through Jesus. I have a friend that he was a fighter pilot during the 1980s. And one time he described for me what it felt like to fly upside down. And he told me that you can't really tell that you're flying upside down when you are flying upside down in a, a fighter jet. And then he told me of a time where he had a friend who made a pass past the Air Force base where they were stationed with his jet flying upside down. And as the, the, the friend of his passed the, the tower he pulled back on the stick, thinking that he was going to go up into the sky. But because he was upside down, when he pulled back on the stick, he went into the ground and crashed and died. And I I just could hardly believe it. And so I asked him, if you can't tell physically whether you're upside right or upside down, how would you ever know when it's safe to pull back on the stick? How would you ever know? And his answer was very quick and very simple. You have to trust your instruments. You have to trust your instruments. And my friends, God's plan to restore blessing to this cursed realm is the instrument panel of our lives. And God's plan runs through Jesus. And the secrets to a blessed life, those four and so many more, Jesus knows far more than four, those four and so many more, they run through Jesus. The world will do everything it can to co-opt us and to pull us into the vortex of its approach to living the good life. But I want to just say, especially to the young people, but to everyone, you don't have to give in. We don't have to give in. Our story can read like Daniel's. You can resolve not to defile yourself. You can even practice that on the everyday choices that you make, knowing that much bigger issues may come your way someday. And you can experience holy boldness. And the resources that are hidden to the world, the hidden resources, that line the paths that God asks you to walk. May God help us. May God strengthen us to do just that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this story from Daniel chapter 1 and the reminders that it gives to us of how to live a blessed life in a cursed world. And I I pray, dear Lord, that you would just use this in our lives. And help us to recognize that your plan for blessing us through this cursed realm, your plan is the instrument panel of our lives. It will tell us whether we're flying upside right or upside down. So help us to follow your path. Help us to live our lives through Jesus for your honor and glory. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.